Hey guys, we're back. It is your boy, Brian Hood. And we're going to be going over things and stuff. Yeah, that's right. That's what this segment's called now. If you don't like it, then that's fine. Yeah, it's cool. I understand. It's not very creative. But that should give you a little sample of what you have in store. Actually, this episode's going to be really good, actually. Alright? You can take my word for it, because, you know... I host the show, and, you know, my opinion isn't, you know, biased at all. Right? You get it? You understand? All right, we'll move forward. So, before I get into the episode, I thought I'd get you guys caught up on a few things with me um, in this things and stuff, stuff section. I can't even talk anymore. What is my problem? So yeah, I just got done hosting a weekend at the club, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, Met a new comic out of Portland, and that was cool. And uh, yeah, the shows were really fun. We ended up doing a um, fundraiser for Spokanimal, which was at 3 p.m. Had a relatively light turnout, which I guess you can't be surprised about. Uh, And then I noticed that the crowd was a little bit older than normal, right? Not that there's anything wrong with that, uh, but one of my jokes, I talk about the Power Rangers, it's a pretty long bit, and it was a pretty big section of the set I was doing that weekend. So I had basically freaked myself out about it and was like, oh man, can't do that joke, they're not going to care about the Power Rangers, I don't have any jokes about AARP, what am I going to do? You know, like I was freaking out. So I tried to real quickly write a joke about AARP, and it wasn't great. So um, I decided instead to change out one joke for another one, you know? One that I thought they might relate to a little bit uh, better, which was a poop joke. You know, old people, they poop their pants, right? They understand poop jokes. Not all of them poop their pants, actually. I think it's a small percentage, actually, that do. I don't know. I I haven't read the statistics. I'll do it after the... After I'm done recording this, I'll go and research that. But long story short, I decided to switch out that one joke, which made it to where when I went up on stage to perform, I just blanked out completely what I wanted to do. So I ended up going with a completely different set than I initially had planned, which did include that new joke. I remembered to do that one, which I'm I'm not sure that they were a super big fan of, but at the same time, it was a small crowd, you know, so... You get what you get out out of a crowd like that, you know, you got to be kind of relative to the amount of energy a crowd like that can provide on a three, you know, at 3 p.m., but I felt like it went fine. I just thought it was funny that I'd gotten so much in my head about not telling a Power Rangers joke, when ultimately, I mean, what's the worst thing? They just go like, what? I don't know, Power Rangers, and then, you know, hopefully my telling of it is enough to still get a couple chuckles out of them, whatever. Again, you know, it just shows how fragile... <laughs> the ego the ego can be of a person you know and they get worried and stupid stuff for no reason but ultimately the the shows are really awesome hopefully i'll get a cool new promo clip that i can use um out of a recording of the saturday show which will be pretty fun but yeah had a good time look forward to working with the club again in terms of working again, the only thing I have on my calendar right now is the Valley Fest Clean Comedy Competition in Spokane, actually Spokane Valley, Washington, on September 21st, and I think it starts at 3.30 or something like that. So that should be fun, actually. I have quite a few friends that have participated in the competition, a few that have won the competition, and I, I feel like after I win the competition, you know, I'll be booked at, like, everything, man. Every, like... Bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah, quinceanera, whatever the opposite of a quinceanera is. Not the opposite, but the other gender. Something senora, right? Or senori? I don't know. I don't speak Spanish. But yeah, you know, corporate events, I'll, I'll be nailing it all down because of that huge credit on my name. So, root for me. Go stack the ballot box. I don't know how it works, but like... Yeah, hopefully I win. Either way, it'll be a good time, though. Get to flex my clean muscles, you know? Try not to say naughty words and stuff like that, which is always good. But uh, before I jump into the episode uh, details, I'll just go ahead and give you guys my plugs real quick. Uh, You can find everything at behoodpodcast.com, including the date I just mentioned there, that one shining date that's on my dates section for the moment. And then, uh, yeah, 
So if you want to check out that website, I got everything on there. And then if you feel so inclined to follow me on any social medias, I am at duh, D-A, real, B-hood. Uh, at Facebook, Twitter, as well as Instagram. So that's definitely an option. You can definitely do that. So this next episode that we have going up is actually our first Lost episode. If you are a podcast nerd, you'll know what a Lost episode is, but you won't if you're not. Yeah, I don't know if that needed any more specific of a description. But yeah, um, I went to the office of Chris Army, who's our guest in this episode, to record an episode. He was supposed to be our very first comedian guest on the show, like very first comic uh, outside of myself because I can't really include myself to be a guest I don't think so yeah uh, so I was going to have him be the first comic uh, guest on the show and when we show up to his office he was like yeah I got this fancy mic and you know you can record on that if you want and I'll send it over to you and I was like sure and then he recorded and you know we recorded did the podcast and everything and he sent it over and guess what audio didn't work and I told him it didn't work, and then he said, oh, that's weird, and send it to me again. And that audio also didn't work. So I was like, oh, man, this isn't working out. So I thought maybe it might be because, might be because he's using, you know, garbage-ass Android stuff, you know, and I have, like, you know, Apple stuff, which is, like, obviously way better. I don't think we need to argue about that or anything, especially for, you know, production stuff. Um... But anyways, yeah, I thought maybe it might be some kind of entanglement between the two. Because you know how they, like, fight to death all the time, you know? Like, they they hate each other. They're, like, rivals. Always battling behind the scenes. That's how I imagine it. Like, a giant robot that says Google on it. And a giant robot that says Apple on it. And they're just always grappling and fighting, like, giant Gundam wings out in space. Occasionally taking out a satellite that they have to replace. That might not be... That's probably not accurate, but I like the thought of it. But anyways, yeah, it wasn't working between the two formats or whatever. So I decided that I would actually um, <clears throat> have him upload it straight from his office. Because I was like, it's going to work on his Android stuff. Because like his Android stuff can use his own Android garbage recordings, right? I mean, I thought the logic was there. But then when he uploaded it, actually, it also didn't work. It was just silent. So I was like, all right, well, that is officially a lost episode. Can't be salvaged. So I went, actually, to his office. And he told a different story uh, the second time around. Which, I don't know, could be better, could be worse. You guys aren't going to know. I'm not going to know, because that's going to be your opinion. And you don't get to give an opinion on something that you didn't listen to. Unless you want to, that's fine. I mean, you can judge something that you never listened to and say that it's worse or better than what you haven't still listened to, because at this point you haven't listened to the episode. You're doing a lot of judgments based upon things that you haven't experienced. And I guess it's the American way. It's fine. Uh, but either way, though, hopefully you guys enjoy this one. Um... <clears throat> it's perhaps a little sillier than the one that we recorded before. But, yeah. I mean, I try not to make make the episodes be anything, you know. I just go along with the flow and hopefully make it entertaining. Uh, so, yeah. This is going to be the episode by Chris Army. I did want to give a special thanks to my friend uh, Luke Bricely for the use of his song, I'm Sorry, for um, the cuts of the show. And uh, I also want to give another special thanks to Blake Allen for not being part of this episode. Thank you so much for not ruining the episode, Blake Allen. I will have you back on again one day, but um, I probably won't release that episode. Odds are. I'm kidding. Anyways, um, I'm done rambling. Hopefully you guys enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the B-Hood Podcast. I am your host, Jaboy Brian Hood, and um, we are actually here for a our first Lost episode. Uh, what happened was, is it was supposed to be actually the first fellow comic on the show, uh, and then that recording was lost to the time, so he will be, you know, the 57th or something like that. 
<laughs> I haven't had that many episodes, but we'll pretend that there's that many other comics. I just lost all those episodes as well. Um, but anyways, um, so the Behood podcast is a few things. Uh, first of all, it's your way of keeping up with me, my life, in, in and outside of comedy. Secondly, it is uh, your way of meeting somebody new that you might not have otherwise had a chance to interact with. And lastly, it's a storytelling podcast. Um, I performed personally extensive scientific research, and I came to the conclusion that every person in the world, in fact, had a childhood. And each one of those childhoods contained their own unique experiences. Uh, I'm no uh, stranger to telling stories. I talk probably too much. So I created the podcast as more of a listening exercise for myself so that I can listen for a change and and listen to other people's stories i try to do my best not to interrupt people which apparently weirds out people sometimes when they're telling a story and i'm just sitting there quietly taking notes or whatever but you know i'll just mention it so they know what to expect uh so the rules of the podcast though are very simple which is just be open be honest and above all else just be you so this leads me to introducing our guest for this episode uh the original interview the last episode but we're returning to it uh, the very funny Chris Arby. Oh, oh. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm really glad to be back. Um, that episode's lost to the ages, uh, like the rock of time, but I am happy about that because I have a way better story this time. Right. Well, I mean, I could have had you on again, and then I could just weigh the new story versus the old one and give it a score <laughs> or something like that. But it's fine. We can, just, we can start all over again. Uh, but I'll just tell you guys, like, you're missing out. There was... There was wood chucking, I'll just say. I'm always can... down to come back, but I like this story more. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll take your word for it. Um, but since we, again, lost this part of it as well, uh, we're going to do just a quick little interview so people get to know you a little bit better. So first of all, I'll ask, what do you do? Well, uh, I've been doing stand-up less successfully than you for about two years. Um <laughs> I also have my own podcast. It's called the Inside Bud Podcast. Um, I am a congressional candidate in eastern Washington uh, for the U.S. House of Representatives. I uh, also like to um, walk around in my underwear. That's another thing I do. Um, that's pretty much the gist of it. Nice. Do you get paid for all of those things? Uh, mostly the underwear. Mostly that um, part? <laughs> I could... Well, illegal, in the last few years, they changed the ethics laws with campaign finance, where you can actually pay yourself out of donations. I think the standard is about 2000 a month, uh, even for really big campaigns. Uh, but I am not nowhere near a point where I would do that yet. Um, and for my comedy, I get, I get paid. I also I promote shows and book them and, and, and handle venues. So I handle a lot of the production side... Um, and so that I have been booked on, I have been booked on other people's shows, um, for paid gigs. So that was pretty nice. Uh, but most of my paid gigs, I paid myself. <laughs> well, fair enough. I mean, honestly, that sounds more successful than my career, but you know, it's all subjective in terms of who you're working for, who you've worked with and you know, what your, what your aims are and everything. Well, on the pure comedy side. You know, that's and that's something I'm starting to switch towards right now is I'm like, uh, you know, I have other things in my life and uh, I I really, you know, I want to just tell jokes. And um, so I'm kind of taking a breather from a lot of the not all of it, but a lot of the production side to focus more on the comedy. Well, I mean, that's cool. Uh, I'll ask because you've already touched on a lot of things. Do you have any hobbies outside of these ventures that you've mentioned you'd think i would have had a better answer for that since you asked it last year <laughs> <laughs> i didn't have a good answer the problem is i uh, <laughs> everything i enjoy i um i kind of uh try to make it a career <laughs> right and that's what i said last time i was like you don't have any hobbies because you monetize them and then they yeah. become jobs so yeah ev everything becomes a job <laughs> i was trying to avoid saying monetize but yeah it's the truth. like i love comedy so i'm like i'm gonna try and make money doing this and i love you know talking to people i'm gonna try and make money from doing this and you know uh, so that's that's kind of part of all of it it's a lot harder than you might think actually because when they started that new mic over at lucky you mm -hmm. you've been there before yeah it's a very like beautiful downstairs stage and everything uh it has mirrors behind you which makes you feel like you might need to take your clothes off but you don't have to like <laughs> you don't have to yeah you can it might help your set depending upon how it's going you know so 
but I just thought it was interesting. But it's funny, though, because the lights there are very low. So when um, Derek Schoonover was on stage, <laughs> it looked like he was telling a ghost story or something because it was, like, from <laughs> underneath him going up, and he had, like, shadows over his eyes and stuff. And I was like, he already looks creepy, and he's, like, ten times creepier now. I tell him that he looks like every serial killer combined. Derek? Yeah, he sounds like one, too, man. <laughs> yeah. I love him. I love him. <laughs> He's going to hear this episode and know you're talking shit. No. No, we all like him. And he doesn't like us, so that's good. He doesn't <laughs> you know? like people. Doesn't I compliment like his shoes every time I see them. I'm like... <laughs> He's got some long earlobes. You ever looked at his earlobes, bro? I have not. Dude, I'm, I'm not shitting like a legit inch and a half earlobe. earlobe. That's he doesn't a lot even need of to do. He doesn't even need to do gauging. He could just do a hole puncher and be like, boom, automatically. <laughs> have gauged ears. <laughs> <laughs> moving on <laughs> be cool and I think you've already kind of touched on this but we'll let you dig into it a little bit deeper um, what are your dreams specifically I know you talked about comedy but we'll, I'll let you dig in a little deeper in terms of yeah. what you aspire to yeah I, I think it's really important to define the future we hope to have for ourselves in as much detail as possible so the things I want I want to be really good at making people laugh. I want to be able to go into most rooms most of the time and be able to make people laugh five to six times per minute for a half hour to an hour. Uh, that's comedically my goal. Um, you know, with the podcast, I'd really like to just uh, keep it going for another year or two at least and keep up a pace of at least two episodes a week during that period. Uh, with... Um, and I try to keep my goals more process oriented than outcome oriented. So I, you know, what do I have control over? Um, and, uh, you know, politically, I, I really desire, you know, I just want to make the world a better place. And so I'm throwing my hat in the ring because I know that I'm not corrupted. I am not uh, a part of the establishment. And so I hope to be able to, even if I don't win the race, to maybe shift the discussion and, and make, a, make a positive impact on the outcome of the election. Very cool. Well, I'll ask this question just because it's something that I thought of while you were talking. When I originally wanted to do comedy, like, my justification was for it was because, like, I'm married and my wife, she's kind of in everything that I do. So when I told her that I was going to do stand-up, she was like, why? Why would you want to do that? <laughs> like, why would you ever want to do that? And I was like, I don't know. It's something that I enjoy, like, consuming. You know, I've always enjoyed comedy, whether it be stand-up or podcasts or whatever. Like, I didn't even know what podcasts were at one point. I just wanted to find a way to listen to an old, like, uh, morning show from when I was a kid. I, I looked looked up to see if it, it still existed, and it did in a different form. Only one of the hosts was still on it or whatever, but it still existed, so I wanted to consume it. So I found out that I could use that uh, website, TuneIn, I told you about. Yeah, yeah. They, they host, like, all kinds of, like, radio shows from all over the place, so mm -hmm. that you can uh, view them online and everything uh, and I went on there and then I started seeing all these other shows that were like popular and stuff like Nerdist and things like that and I didn't know what they were I assumed they were radio shows but then I listened to them and people were cursing and talking about all kinds of crazy <laughs> stuff and I'm like this couldn't be radio unless it's like XM or something right Yeah. so that's kind of how I got into it and then I, I delved down that way uh, and that was kind of a rabbit trail that I went on but basically what I'm saying is like I just wanted to be part of comedy so i wanted to ask you like how much part of comedy would you like like to be because i've imagined myself in every aspect of it whether it be writing for a show in an improv troupe writing sketches being in sketches mm -hmm. you know being like even acting in in a you know comedy movie or whatever like i'm sure you probably would be open to all of those things but in terms of what you aspire to do do you, do you see yourself getting into every avenue at least a little bit or you just want to mainly focus on stand-up I uh, I would really love to have a, a cartoon, actually, um, that I, I help write and produce and maybe do a voice on, and uh, a podcast where I could in, uh, interview really interesting people and have fun with them and do stand-up uh, very regularly and be really good. So I, I, it's, I, there's, there's a division there, because I, I really do. I, I enjoy podcasting. I enjoy be, I mean, being up... If I, I could just have the stand-up and none of those other things and be completely satisfied. Okay. If, if I, if I, you know, if, if, if just the, pot, the, the, the comedy, if the stand-up 
could provide everything on its own, I would still like to do podcasting um, or, or like do a, a cartoon TV show, but I could just do that and it would, it would scratch my itch. Okay. And I'll just mention this because it's something, again, that, that popped up in my brain, so I don't know if you're aware of it or not. I know that you're a big, like, comedy fan, so you're familiar yeah. with most of the big names and everything. So you know, you're familiar with Tom Segura, Of right? course. And how huge of a comic that he is. Mm -hmm. uh, I was hearing, I don't know if it was on his podcast or when he was on someone else's podcast, but he had mentioned that the reason why he started doing stand-up was to get into acting. Wow. He actually was, he originally, before he ever did stand-up, he had gone to school for acting, and he wanted to be an actor. Whether it be comedic actor or not, I'm not really exactly sure. But some, I think he was in a, maybe even an improv troupe before that, because again, it was supposed to be like a way that he could get into acting. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then he, people were like, hey, you should do stand-up because you're really funny and everything. So he went and did it. But his whole goal was to be an actor. And wow. it still is, as far as I understand, because now he's like in a movie that's going to be coming out in a little bit. Mm. Uh, I don't, I don't remember what his role is and everything. Uh, he's he's released some of it, but I don't know exactly. But he's like someone's uncle or something like that. But he's <laughs> actually like, and at, at one point he was actually going to be. Um, before, like, the whole Jared scandal and everything, mm -hmm. he was supposed to be, like, anti-Jared oh. in, in the in the Subway commercial. So he was supposed to be, like, Jared's brother that was a fat slob or whatever. And, oh they, and it was it sounded pretty funny in concept and everything, um, but it just kind of never ended up panning out. And, of course, there was a scandal and every, all that fun stuff. <laughs> but I thought that was kind of interesting, like, just imagining that one of the biggest comics that we all know of that just sells out everywhere and is a murderer... That wasn't even what he wanted to do. He wanted to use that as a way to get into something else. Well, you know, uh, and that's that story is, is actually in a lot of places, too. Uh, for example, the, the film The Godfather. <laughs> Francis Ford Coppola uh, didn't actually really care about making that movie. He, he just wanted to... He agreed to make a gangster flick for the theaters so that they would let him make another movie that he actually really wanted to make. And the same went for um, uh, the lead actor, Marlon Brando, was uh, Brando had kind of been persona non grata in Hollywood for a few years. And, um, and he was like, all right, a role. They'll give me a role. I do well at it. I can go get roles I really want and be in Hollywood again. So both of them were actually kind of hoping to use it more as a stepping stone. Ended up creating arguably the greatest films of all time. So it's, uh, and I think, are you familiar with The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield? No. Um, it's, it's just a book about, you know, kind of being a professional artist in a lot of ways. And one of the main things he talks about is how, in a lot of ways, you have to emotionally distance yourself from your work and um, treat it, you know, more professionally and uh, more systematically and not get too attached to any one performance and just say... Uh, you know, from the com comedic interpretation of his book, and the audiobook is free on uh, YouTube. Um, uh, like, I'm going to. It doesn't matter if that set went poorly. I need to emotionally dis disassociate from that and just look at, okay, what worked, what didn't, scrap, as if you were doing it for someone else, as if you were hired to write someone else's comedy um, professionally. Yeah. So, so that's where I think the, the crossover there, though, is, is a lot of times. Being not being as emotionally invested, but still having the right work ethic and mindset and strategy uh, can lead people to be really successful in something. Yeah, I mean, motivation comes from all over the place. Uh, I was hearing a story recently, and I don't remember exactly again where it was from, but apparently, like when Metallica was originally formed, I think the original guitarist or something like that uh, ended up getting either kicked out of the band or leaving the band or something like that, and he ended up becoming like part of I think it was Slayer or something like that. Hmm. One or no, it was Megadeth, I think is what it was. Yeah, and then basically his entire career and he was self-admitting like so he admitted this himself his entire career he based on beating metallica <laughs> he had to have more sales than them you know make more off of the venues go to more places whatever and with the fact that he never were like they were hugely successful as a band obviously they like everyone knows who they are yeah but he was never satisfied because he couldn't overshadow this other band that he missed being a part of Wow. So it's just kind of interesting to think about how we measure success and how somebody that is, you know, obviously a very successful person can consider themselves a failure just weighing themselves against, you know, 
someone else's success. Yeah, true, I'm not true, I'm not saying it's healthy or anything, and I'm not. Oh, I think we should all not. we all should do that. Actually, that's how we should motivate ourselves. Be like, I'm not <laughs> as funny anger. as that guy, and I'm pissed off. Uh, gosh, it'll burn you out though. That's true. Yeah, I I uh, I'm just coming out of a period right now where I was being just way too hard on myself for a while. You know, I'd, I'd get laughs, but I was like, they're just not good enough, and. So I would feel bad most of the time when I got off stage, even though it went, went all right. And um, that was pretty... I mean, there was literally a time where uh, where I had an okay set, but I, uh, I cried after. And I was just like, I just feel so mediocre. And, uh, you know, so I, I'm working right now to be able to maintain a good work ethic, but not um, I'd be so hard on myself, give myself time. Yeah, I mean, well, we were talking uh, about the podcast before about or before the podcast even started recording about how like basically like neurotic entertainers are and stuff like that, and how like mental illness and everything co- coincides a lot with entertainers and stuff. And I think, I mean, obviously, there's different parts of it and everything, but I think being critical almost to the point of obsession is where a lot of like inspiration comes from and it's not always the healthiest things that we do um as a result of it but for instance i i would say with myself i'll just you know turn it on myself i'm almost never satisfied with a set even if i did super good and killed by by you know whatever standards people measure it by i don't know exactly i'll still be like i forgot to say this thing or i said this thing wrong or you know i completely missed saying this part of whatever and and i doubt the audience noticed i doubt anyone else you know that's another fellow comic noticed that i missed it or whatever but that's still where my mindset is and it gets to a point actually where i have a hard time even accepting people's like compliments afterwards or whatever like they'll come up to me and they'll be like man that was awesome i'm like really was it i don't know that it was i hated it i'm leaving now like and they'll be like what you actually did good and i was like i don't know like because my brain is so wrapped up on that one punchline i missed or that one joke that i forgot to tell or told wrong or whatever but i feel like you have to take everything with a grain of salt because if i wasn't like that Maybe I would suck. Maybe I would yeah. wouldn't care enough to develop myself or whatever. You know, I would just ride on whatever, you know, high it gave me or whatever big moment there was in there, rather than looking to make everything better every time. Yeah, but I don't think you have to be like upset with a performance to know that it still needs work. Like, I don't think those are mutually exclusive. That's true. <coughs> and I'm not saying that I'm necessarily, like, miserable about it or anything. I'm just saying I would much rather be that. I would much rather be critical of something and how it can be improved than rather than just being like, aren't I so awesome? Everyone should want to sleep with me or whatever, you know? Like, <laughs> I would just Yeah, well, I've noticed. Like I've, I've given you compliments before, and you're like, eh, I don't know. And I'm... When, for me, um... <laughs> When someone says something nice about a set, a lot of times, especially lately, it's like a relief. I'm like, oh my god, you liked it? Thank, oh, I'm just so happy someone someone liked it. <laughs> well, it's good to find the positive in it. I'm not very positive yeah. of a person, unfortunately. But um, there's, I keep forgetting to go on to the last question. I don't know that you'll necessarily have an answer to this one. A lot of people don't, but I'll, I, I like to ask it anyways because it's on the piece of paper and I like to read <laughs> everything that's on there. So uh, is there anything that people should know about you um, that they might not already? Anything people should know about me that they might not know already? Uh, like some of this never met you, something you would like for them yeah. to know about you. Uh, have they seen me? Have you seen my face? No. I'm a handsome, handsome little man. All right, perfect, perfect. <laughs> That's horrible. That's so terrible. I just oh, sounded ridiculous. No problem. <laughs> I like hugs. That's what I want people to know about me. I'm going to include a, a picture hug. of your face on this episode <laughs> so then they will already have a preconceived judgment of you. <laughs> just to mess that up. I have some pretty bad pictures you could use. I'll find a baby picture and <laughs> add a beard on it or something. all right so we've come to the portion of the podcast where chris is going to tell us a story as i explained i try not to interrupt i just let him let him do what he's going to do but i will be taking notes so that i can you know branch out on things get any questions that i can have answered anything you can remember that kind of fun stuff so whenever you're ready well i'll preface this by saying prior to the podcast i uh forgot um (laughs) what story i was gonna tell so i called my mom and she was like, gosh, Christopher, what, what story should you tell? I don't know. Uh, what about the Lysol thing? And I was like, oh, my God, that was the one I forgot. <laughs> so here's the Lysol story. 
Um, when I was in seventh grade, my family was moving from New Jersey to New York, and uh, it involved me and me and my dad went up a few weeks ahead of time and um, set up kind of a home base ahead of uh, my brothers and mom. And so we would do little four-hour car rides on the weekends to help deliver stuff up. And uh, my dad was working for the railroad at the time, all the live long day. And so, and so, um, uh, I would come home from school and be on my own a little bit. And I liked to, I was in this weird phase where I liked to golf in the backyard. Uh, we had, we had a little bit, because we were moving from this tiny little, uh, crazy overpriced, uh, not in the best shape house in, uh, in New Jersey to a house that was just way cheaper, even though it was actually like, you know, it was, it was nicer. There was more room. Um, and a little bit of a backyard in upstate New York. Property is way more affordable upstate. Um, and uh, so I would uh, hit some golf balls in the backyard. Uh, kind of a little ritual I developed. And dad wouldn't come home for a few hours. And uh, gosh, seventh grade. I was way too old to do something so dumb. One day I uh, went inside uh, to use the restroom after doing some golfing. And uh, I took a dump. I was like, man, you know, it really it flushed, but it really stinks in there. I should uh, spray some Lysol directly into the toilet um, in between my legs. And so the Lysol bounced off of the water and up onto my butthole. Uh, this was one of the most incredibly painful sensations I've ever known. Uh, I Even right now, my b-hole is clenching at the thought. And... <laughs> And so I still was on my own in the house and I was running around uh, upstairs, downstairs, screaming in a shrill, like, you know, seventh grade, uh, 60 pound boy's voice, like, ah, my butthole's on fire. And um, if you've never had your butthole on fire, <laughs> I imagine it's a similar sensation. And uh, eventually I made my way back upstairs and I found an empty cat litter box. Like there wasn't any litter in it. It was in a, a closet. So I grabbed the cat litter box and I chucked it into the bathtub and I turned on the bathtub uh, water, cold water, and let it fill up for a second and dropped my butt into it. And almost instant relief. <sighs> Even I feel like a, a weight off my chest just remembering the relief like it's not my butthole's not on fire anymore and uh i made sure to tell everyone in my family that story when they got home because that could have just been a secret for me forever but <laughs> instead the the young comedian i decided to tell everybody in the family about that incident <laughs> unfortunately for me maybe that's part of why i'm a comic is is my my whole family still uh finds it <laughs> a funny thing even though they weren't there for it so that's uh, my story. <coughs> I'm just going to start speaking, and then I, like, choked <laughs> on air. Hang on a second. <coughs> <coughs> all right, all right. So I was going to ask you, actually, how long the move was, but then you told me it was, like, four hours back and forth, right? Yeah, yeah, four hours each way. Because I know they're pretty close. Yeah, well, New York's a big state. Uh, there's, I mean, I don't know how comparable it is to Washington, but you, you can drive, um, gosh... I don't know. It's 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 a really, yeah. It's a big state. There's a lot of a lot of room. Upstate New York is huge. It's a lot like Washington. That's something I was frustrated about when I first moved here because I joined the Air Force to see the world, and I was like, "Wow, I, the Spokane Airport looks uh, just like the Elmira Airport." Elmira. Elmira, New York. Uh, never El even heard of that. There's so many cities in New York I've never heard of before. It's very <laughs> weird. Elmira, Syracuse, Binghamton, Endicott. Um, Buffalo. Buffalo. Well, Buffalo is probably a five-hour drive from my parents, and it's still in New York. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, New Jersey is only about three hours drive long and one hour drive wide. And it's surrounded by New York on most sides and Pennsylvania a little bit. Interesting. Well, that's what I was going to ask, because you were going from New Jersey to New York in mm -hmm. this move, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, and were you going from a bigger house to a smaller house, or a smaller house to a bigger smaller house? Smaller to bigger. I don't remember all the numbers, but um, the New Jersey real estate market, even all those years ago, was just so crazy inflated that 
the house we had, it was just one floor. Um, and there was like a spot in the bathroom where the, in one of the corners where the floor was depressed and you could actually like look, my dad would be in the basement and I'd, I could look through this depression in the floor and talk to him through a little hole in the floor. Um, and three bedrooms, uh, and the basement that, that, uh, my parents fixed up and furnished so there could be, uh, two more in there. Cause it was me, my two brothers and my parents, and they wanted to have a little office space. Um, but the house in New York, two floors and, uh, I don't know, probably about as many bedrooms, but just a little bit more spacious and, and there wasn't any, uh, any holes in the floor. The place of the depression was the, was the New Jersey? Yeah, house? it was New Jersey. And that house was probably four times as expensive as the New York house. Wow. Yeah. And they're not still in that house, your parents, right? No, no. They're they're in New York now, and it's it's good, yeah. Well, I meant the, the New York house. Oh, they're the in that house, yeah. They're still in that house? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, they've been there for a spell. Uh, they want to move maybe to, like, Florida or, or another country or something, but... Um, it's tough out there, man. It's real tough. They're smart people, and they've they've you know they're really really smart and really hardworking, and they've never, you know, they've never had an easy go of it. And um, that that was a really big lesson for me growing up is that you can be smart and work really hard and still not have an easy time financially. It's very true. Yeah, kind of just kind of depends upon how the cards fall sometimes. Now, I wanted to ask, you were talking about playing golf in the yard. Was that in the New Jersey yard or the New oh, York New, yard? <laughs> New York. There was, like, almost no yard in New Jersey. In New, have you been to New Jersey? No. Very, very, for the most part. I mean, there's rural New Jersey, but um, we were in a town called Neptune in Monmouth County in, in central Jersey. And, uh, I mean, yeah, you're, you're very small backyard. They, you, you couldn't play any golf there. Okay. The, the, the New York house maybe had, like, I don't know, maybe a half acre. I'm not. I'm not good with those kind of. All right. Well, that's what I was trying to to gauge because if you could play golf, like you're talking about driving, right? Yeah, d- yeah. just exclusively that. Would you ever get it over the fence? Uh, we didn't have a fence. There were a bunch of trees, and okay. then there was a field behind that that we didn't own. It was just like a empty field. I don't know what it was associated with or whatever. So, and and we didn't have neighbors behind us, just to the side of us. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. The The reason why I ask is because it kind of reminded me a little bit of this house that I grew up in. Well, not for very long. It was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Hmm. And in Baton Rouge, we had like a half, um, half a, what, I can't think of it, half acre, like you were saying, hmm. I think, of, or whatever it was our backyard. So it was super huge. And I remember that uh, for whatever reason, our parents gave us bows and arrows to play with as nice. children. Nice, we did you know? that too. So we would see if we could fire it from like the beginning of our yard and try and get it to the fence of our backyard. And I think nice. only once we ever were able to get it there. So that kind of gives you a gauge of how big it was that kids can't make an arrow fly far enough to get through the fence. We did it a couple of times, but not very consistently because yeah. these weren't like the compound bows you know mm-hmm. those would be too hard for us to actually pull back they were like you know standard yeah. yeah and um but i just remember my dad would use a, a push mower on this huge <laughs> yard and yeah. once he got like two paths in or whatever our neighbor would cruise over on his driving one and hit the rest of it for him because he'd feel bad for him every time. Because if he was actually doing that much of a yard with just a push mower, he'd probably be out there for an entire day yeah. mowing all of it. So I don't know if that – does that sound equal to what you had um, in New York? Uh, I did mow it occasionally with the push mower, and it did take a very long time. <laughs> probably not a day, though, but, I mean, you know, if I was going to guess, I'd say maybe like 75 feet wide and like – uh, half a football field in length. Okay. You know, 50 yards, maybe. It's so like 150 feet by 50 feet. Yeah. But it was cool, man. Even at one point, we got some chickens uh, to, like, lay eggs and, and some broilers to, to butcher. And so, my, you know, my, I can't remember. Broilers? Yeah, it's a type What's... of chicken that you raise to eat. Oh, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, yeah it was cool because we, we definitely did not. I mean, we were in the Boy Scouts and stuff, and so we'd been camping. But I remember the first time I saw a chicken get butchered. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad took me, and uh, like I said, that was like probably eighth grade, ninth grade. Um, and, you know, from from more suburban New Jersey to a little bit more rural upstate New York, uh my parents wanted to be more self-sufficient, so they took us out. Or they took me. I, I wanted to. I asked my dad to. And then I got a little sick the first time I saw it. But then after 
you know, a few months and, and he did it a little bit. I eventually was, was processing, ch helping process chickens myself. And, and we only had a few, but it was, it was pretty cool. It was a really good experience to, you know, the food we were eating, I, I was helping to raise. And that was fun. Yeah, it sounds cool. Do they still have the same amount of property now? Like the backyard and mm -hmm. everything? Yeah. Okay, cool. Minus a few trees. There's been some crazy floods out there. Climate change and all. You know, that multiple 500,000 year floods in a few years. Interesting. All right. Yeah. And I just wanted to ask, what is what did your dad do for the railroad at the time? He drove the choo-choo trains. Was that, is that a conductor or is yeah. that not a conductor? I believe it's a conductor. Was it was it still <laughs> was it still like coal driven or steam? Or? <laughs> no, no, not not coal or steam. Although I don't I don't know the exact fuel source. I do know that um, uh, trains can actually carry a, a literal ton of cargo uh, using about a gallon of fuel. It's pretty efficient. Yeah, they can also take kids to a castle to learn magic. So <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> and they can also take around uh, Tom Hanks or whatever. I don't know. He was, yeah, Tom Hanks. What was that? Yeah, that was well, Tom Hanks. I know. He was Polar the conductor, Express. though, right? So your dad was Tom Hanks. My That's dad is, cool. no, is Tom Hanks. <laughs> Tom Hanks is doing just all right. Yeah. <laughs> He's been struggling financially for Told a while Told you not now. to mention that Tom Hanks is my father. I can't believe you would do I'm this sorry. to me. He has a really cool typewriter collection. Your dad does. I ever. actually have a vintage typewriter I've been meaning to fix up. I know, random detail. Yeah, that's how you can get him on the podcast, actually. Yeah, let's let's type him up a letter. Yeah, just be like, hey, I got this really cool... Hey, Pop, really remember cool when you writer. abandoned Mom 25 years ago? <laughs> Been having to live with this other guy that looks more like me than you. <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> All right, now I wanted to ask, so you, you never went and, and seeked medical attention for, for the Lysol butt, right? I thought about dialing 911. I did not... <laughs> You're like, my, my anus is on fire. You wouldn't say anus if you were a kid. My butt! Yeah, my don't. butt's on fire! So that was pretty terrible. <laughs> you were that concerned about the smell when you were in the house by yourself? That it was sprayed? a dumb thing. I was just like, my butt's stinky. And I just fucking sprayed it into the toilet bowl and bounced up onto the hole. And I was like, why did I do I think I did yell, why did I do that? Mm -hmm. Why? And um, the answer is I was young. I can't recall ever turning on the fan in the bathroom <laughs> or lighting a match. I didn't care if I stung the whole house. It didn't up. even smell that bad. It just smelled like taking a dump. I was You're just very like... considerate. <laughs> yeah, that's me. All right. And I just wanted to mention, uh, just because it reminded me of it, um, you were talking about how your butthole felt like it was on fire. Apparently, yeah. my dad actually did light his butthole on fire when he was when he was a teenager. Blue Angel. Blue Angel. What's Blue Angel? That's where you light one of your farts on that fire. That is exactly what it was. Yes. <laughs> I didn't know it was called Blue Angel because <laughs> it's blue gas. Why are they? Because it's a. They're naming lighting your butts on fire after the the <laughs> aviation team or yeah. whatever. Yeah, they actually founded it. They did. Yeah, yeah. From from butthole fires, they. <laughs> yeah. They named their... No, their original name was the Butthole Fire Flyers. Nice. And, uh, it didn't go as well. No, they just wanted to be a little more subtle. Mm. You know, Have you act. seen them? So you were in the yeah. Air Force? You ever saw the, yeah. the Blue Angels fly? Yeah. I That's think, cool. if they came to the air show. I don't know. I don't care. That stuff never interested me. Oh, there's a plane flying around. I guarded planes for for for, for years. Uh, just standing near them. Fighter jets that drop bombs on ISIS. And I never really cared that much. You were never into planes? No. Nope, I don't never. think they were fighting ISIS at the time. I think it was... What was they it? were fighting ISIS. I was, when I was it was guarding, at the time, right? I was guarding planes in the Emirates. I thought they were called something else back then. What? Back then? Yeah. Well, they weren't fighter jets. I they used know. to be Al-Qaeda like or whatever, right? or something. They changed names, right? I just got out like a year and a half ago, man. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I served from 2010 to 2017. All right, all right. Then <laughs> I won't accuse you of misremembering the name of the terrorist group that you were guarding planes from. I was around. They dropped bombs on them. The the Jordanian pilots would write on the bombs uh, some stuff about like screw ISIS because ISIS uh, burned a Jordanian pilot to death. Well, that's pretty sad. Yeah, thanks for bringing it down. I'm just kidding. <laughs> As I eat carrots, I'm eating yeah, carrots just, covered in ranch. You're just eating carrots, licking your fingers, like I yeah, know, they're, just, they're just burning people. It's dang fine. old ISIS. 
But I'll yeah. wash my hands before I shake yours. When my that's gross. I shouldn't be doing that. When my dad told me about that, though, I was like, "There's no way he wasn't high when that was happening." You know, when he was lighting his <laughs> his, his farts on fire when he worked at a pizza place or whatever. So I was like, "How dare you judge us on smoking pot?" And you obviously. We're smoking pot as a teenager. It's funny to me when when someone, like an older person, is like, yeah, I went to a bunch of Grateful Dead concerts, and I'm like, did you do acid? And they were like, no, of course not, that's bad. But you went to a Grateful Dead concert, and you want me to believe you didn't do drugs? Okay. Uh-huh. You let your fart on fire, you don't want me to believe you're smoking the devil's lettuce, that jazz, that jazz greens, Precisely. jazz salad. Is that is that what they call it? Jazz salad? You could call it that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm washing my hands. I thought they just called it reefer. <laughs> you can call it a lot of things. You can call it a lot of things. Yeah, I just recorded an episode where uh, my my neighbor actually came over to me. And uh, it was actually kind of weird because it was on the 4th of July, which is my birthday. And um, hmm. and we, I was like, I should do a bonus episode today where I ask people for, like, stupid stories from 4th of July where they, like, you know, blew their foot up or something like that, you know. And, uh, but then I never asked anyone and then my neighbor, who never talks to me, decided to come over, bring us over fireworks, and like, you know, mm-hmm. said these are for the kids and everything. And then mm-hmm. he proceeded to tell me a story about when he was in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And he lit off a bunch of flares on the 4th of July. And I was like, you just happened to or- organically tell me a story about the 4th of July when I was thinking about <laughs> recording a podcast about it and then never did. So, yeah, I recorded that, and it was pretty interesting. That's really cool. Yeah. But I wanted to ask you, though, uh, just real quick, how did your family react to you telling everyone about the Lysol incident? Oh. Were they concerned? Was... They think it was funny? Well, they knew I was okay, so it was just a good laugh. My my family has a pretty good sense of humor, all of, like, me, John, Bash, Mom, Dad. Bash? Uh, uh, yeah, my older brother, uh, his name's Bashir. He's my half-brother. Oh, I didn't know that Besh was short for something, because that's my initials, Brian Eric Scott Hood. Hmm. Yeah. So I didn't know that was short for something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bashir. Is that like... His father's part Afghani. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So he's a half-brother? Yeah, yeah. We have the same mom. My mom um, had primary custody. Okay. So, you know, he's, I, I have another half-brother, too, that I, I uh, just spoke to for the first time recently, actually. But, um... Uh, you know, you fam like family is so much more than just blood too. And <laughs> even though Bashir and I might not look as much alike, uh, you know, I can I can sense you know that we're we're family. I mean, you, you, all those shared experiences, the people you spend your whole life with. You know, it's uh, it's I don't know it's something I try to be grateful for. Oh, all right, fair enough. Uh, the reason why I ask is like your mom didn't like inspect your anus or anything to make sure that it was okay (laughs) no anal inspections um once i washed it off it was a lot better okay i should have just gotten straight into the shower instead i ran (sighs) around the house i was a little concerned though about you using the kitty litter thing though like because that caused problems too (laughs) there wasn't kitty litter in the box oh okay it was just an empty cat i just imagine you dumping turds out and then (laughs) filling it up with water and dipping your butt in it I did dip, but I'm glad you described it as dipping my butt in, because that's what I did. I dipped my butt in the water. But well, You couldn't do it any other way, right? <laughs> you have to dip your butt in. Uh, but you can belly flop your butt, butt flop. But uh, <laughs> Well, if you had your legs together, then it wouldn't get towards the anus. You yeah, I needed to open up the anus. And, like, dip. That's <laughs> true. Like, scientifically, medically, yeah. spiritually. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I went too far with that one. <laughs> Uh, actually, one time I got really sick, and um, you know that type of sick where like you can't keep you can't keep the duke in even when you're laying down and squeezing your cheeks. Right. And uh, my mom was, I did that on the bed, man. And my mom was like, you know, Christopher, I can, I can clean that up for you, Christopher. I, I sometimes I overdo my my parents' accents just for comedic effect, but you know, she's like, Christopher, you want me to wipe your butt? And I was probably like 15 or 16, and I was like. I was so sick, and I was just like, no, no, and uh, so that did not happen, even though I was crazy sick, so I'm pretty independent. I've never had that before, like, I've had diarrhea before, but I've, like, I've never had it to where I cannot hold it from coming directly out, that seems a little crazy. It was really crazy. Good. I was very, very ill. Did and... someone poison you? <laughs> I, uh... I probably I should probably clean my food off better. I feel like I've had like like eaten bad food and had stomach 
related illnesses far too many times in my life but <laughs> but i know i was laying down and squeezing to keep it in and it, it did nothing yeah, it's it, just when you just stay in the bathroom take a nap the bed, on the toilet buddy. or something that's what i'm saying like you yeah. go to the bathroom and stay there because there's like, no way to get there though. no i was in i mean i was just in bed and i was like uh-oh this is gonna happen i should try and fight it and i fought it and i lost ah that was a mistake <laughs> you don't try and fight Yes, Diarrhea. you try and fight it. What are you just gonna let it happen? No, then you're just purposely let it happen in the bathroom. You have I to didn't have a way to get there. You didn't have a way to. It would have gotten on the floor, right? I'm saying preemptively <laughs> when you like when you feel the signs coming on. You know? I didn't get a warning. There was no warning. No. All right, all right. No. I'll give you a break. You should then. eat more food off the ground, and then maybe you'll understand. You should spend more time in. Other countries, That's probably where it <laughs> happened, right? Were you were you no, in this? This is in America. Really? Ah. This was in America. No. But I did. I got a stomach bug when I was in India. Yeah, I just, <laughs> they're not always the cleanest with you know water and water food treatment. You know? No, they don't treat their water well enough. That's true. I will say many good things about India, but water quality is not uh, one of them. Yeah, I was just in Mexico, and at the airport, they have signs on the sink that says "Water is not for drinking." This mm. water is not for drinking. You can, you know, wash your hands with it or whatever, but don't yeah. drink it. Yeah. Meanwhile, I drink out of the faucet all the time here in America. Well, I mean, America's different, right? Yeah, no, I love it. That's what I'm saying, though. I just drink out of the faucet because I can. Because that's the way to celebrate grand. freedom. Am I drinking directly out of the faucet? <laughs> Even the toilet. You can drink toilet water. That's true. I've considered it. <laughs> as a dare or something. I don't know. But anyways... Um, We've gotten to the point in the show where we're going to go over uh, plugs and all that fun stuff. I put my plugs and everything in the pre-show, so I'm just going to leave everything that you want to promote at this point. So, website, social media, shows coming up. Uh, Armitageforcongress.com is the campaign website. Um, You can also find, uh, find me at Comic Chris Army on Instagram, uh, at Real Army on Twitter, and, um, you know, that's the big stuff. I don't know. Go go donate to Planned Parenthood or something. Nice. All <laughs> that's right. what I'm going to plug. Well, I think that wraps up our technically first comic episode that got, you know, you were our first comic and now you're not, you know, which is fine. You can still consider yourself my first comic on the show. So I'll always be your first. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a different story, which is good. Maybe we'll double back and do the other one at some point. <laughs> <laughs> So I think that is it for us. Thanks so much for listening to the B-Hood podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I do hope you come back and listen again. And until next time, above all else, just be you.